Hello again everybody, this is Jason Powers. Today we will discuss and review the recent FBI raid on Rudy Giuliani and John Solomon's inclusion in the conversation. Joe Biden's DOJ is not your grandpa's DOJ, which itself probably wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Nevertheless, we the people are no longer allowed to criticize the government or its most corrupt officials. There is a deep battle going on here. Globalists have their end game and, ba and basic task is to smear anyone that may interfere with the messaging on that end game. Hello again everybody, this is uh, Jason Powers. So I'm going to try to go through a very convoluted uh, situation that's going on in America. So we know Rudy Giuliani was just raided by uh, our FBI once again. Uh, they're, uh, they're doing it in regards to, and this is reported by the Blaze TV, and I'll just read the uh, excerpt from the video that I'm about to play. The FBI raided the apartment of Rudy Giuliani on Wednesday, seizing several electronic devices as granted in the search warrant, uh, search warrant provided. But oddly, they refused to take the infamous Hunter Biden laptop Giuliani secured late last year. So we're going to play this uh, interview with uh, John Solomon because he was one of the people that was listed in the search warrant. And they uh, also went after uh, Victoria Tenzing and um, Joe DiGenova, who are... Who have generally been conservative, so, uh, but don't let that be the the end all be all of this. So I'm gonna play, go ahead and play the play the interview, and and we'll go from there. John, John Solomon, Solomon is with is us. With There's us. a disturbing report happening now with Rudy Giuliani, and John Solomon is is part of it, but he is also former Wall Street uh, Journal reporter. Uh, CEO and editor-in-chief now of JustTheNews.com, which is a news site that you should check every single day. Really good journalism being done there. Rudy Giuliani had his apartment raided yesterday, uh, and uh, it's kind of disturbing what we're hearing is happening. John, welcome. Uh, good to be with you, Glenn. Thank you. So tell us what happened yesterday and why. 
as far as we could tell, and again, I, um, I'm, I'm a part of the news in this, so it's an unusual position to be a reporter and also be part of the news. The uh, FBI on Wednesday raided Rudy Giuliani's apartment at about 6.30 in the morning. They also raided uh, the home. It's not really raid, but they showed up at the home of a um, uh, Joe Geneva and Victoria Tensing, who were personal lawyers for me on a book project. And they uh, secured uh, communication devices that were uh, requested under a subpoena, grand jury subpoena and a search warrant. And, you know, this has been a long-running saga, right? There is a theory that Adam Schiff has put out into the, into the public that somehow Rudy Giuliani and Victoria Tensing and Joe DeGeneva were working for foreign forces to remove the ambassador of uh, U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, perhaps on behalf of Ukrainian officials. I don't know the merits of the case, right? Uh, I do know that I wrote uh, the majority of the Joe Biden stories, and this ambassador, Madam uh, uh, Madam Ambassador Ivanovich, Marie Ivanovich, uh, was the woman that was at the helm at the uh, embassy when Hunter Biden was doing all of his shenanigans with Burisma. And I wrote in the period of March until May, the you know, the main stories that brought to light or reinvigorated the Hunter Biden, Burisma, Ukraine, China money train. And and so there, my name shows up in these search warrants and Sabina's, I'm told. And uh, again, I worked as a reporter. I talked to many people. Yes, Joe and Victoria were my lawyers who often did pre-libel work when I would submit a story to the Hill. And Rudy Giuliani approached me about information I have said publicly. I ended up not using what he gave me because it didn't match my reporting. And so I didn't use it, but he did offer me information. I, I don't think I did anything but act like a reporter. And many other reporters had the same contacts with the same people. But for some reason, maybe because all of us were instrumental in, in highlighting Hunter Biden's problems, uh, we now find ourselves entangled in this grand jury subpoena. So, you know, some people say it's an enemies list. I don't know. Uh, I hope to think not. And I would like to give the benefit of the doubt to the U.S. Attorney's Office that maybe they're looking at something. And when they look at the facts, they'll come to the right decision. But as a reporter, it's very chilling when your name gets leaked as part of a grand jury subpoena. Someone obviously wanted my name out there. That's why they put it on the subpoena. Adam Schiff wanted my name out there. That's why he leaked my phone records. And yet in two and a half years, no one found anything wrong. And everything that people said about the Burisma story at the time, it's it's wrong. It's Russian disinformation. It's all been validated. It's so it's all true. I think this will go. And Ivanovich, Russia. The, uh, the ambassador in Ukraine, if, just from the reporting that we did, yeah. uh, you're, 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 that she's, she was not good. She was not good. Uh, and yeah. it would, would be great if she were gone, not on behalf of the, uh, the Ukrainian government, but just on behalf of the United States and its government and people. It was well, not a good go. situation. Yeah. What do we know about her that we didn't know during impeachment? She was the darling of the impeachment testimony, right? She testified mm-hmm. during impeachment that she really didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's uh, Burisma thing except what she was briefed on before she became the ambassador and what she read in the newspaper. I sued, Mm -hmm. and we turned up all of these documents. She met with Burisma's lawyers. She received a long briefing from Burisma's lawyers. George Kent, the guy with the bow tie that made himself famous in the impeachment, he told her a bribe had been paid by Burisma, why Hunter Biden was on the board, and she reported it to her boss, Victoria Newland. None of that was in her testimony. A lot of people think she was at least a deceptive by omission, if not outright dishonest. 
I know because of the good work of Judicial Watch that she ordered myself and Sean Hannity and many other famous people to have our uh, social media illegally monitored by federal agents and federal employees. It's, uh, the State Department cannot target Americans and use its intelligence resources. We know she did that wrong. We know she had a dysfunctional relationship with the Ukrainian prosecutor whose job it was to f carry out her corruption, anti-corruption uh, agenda. Uh, I, I think the body of history that we know about Marie Ivanovich today versus what we knew about two years ago is very different. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, most of the rest of the media got scared away from this story when Adam Schiff and the fake whistleblower and others started to make claims that, you know, aren't true. They, they you know, for a while, the New York Times and ABC News were reporting what I was reporting, and then they all ran for cover. If this happened 20 years ago, John, uh, to a reporter, uh, wouldn't all the reporters, everybody in the media be rallying around you? They sure would. In fact, ironically, Glenn, 20 years ago this month, it did happen to this reporter. I don't think, I don't know if you remember this, but just before 9-11, when I was associated press reporter, the Bush administration, actually Robert Mueller, we've heard a lot about him over the years. He authorized a subpoena mm -hmm. from my phone records, trying to find out my sources on something. And then a few months later, without a warrant, they intercepted my mail at the border they had to admit that that was an unlawful search and seizure. And the media rallied around me. Why? Because it was George Bush's Justice Department going after me. But when it's the Biden Justice Department, I haven't gotten a single call of support from a single journalist. And all those reporters who were looking at Biden, you know, who dropped off it, but no, there's a real story there. They've just gone silent because you know what? If they probably saw what happened to me, I got, you know, I have an impeccable reputation as journalism. I, I worked very carefully to be fair to people my whole life, regardless mm -hmm. of political. They destroyed my reputation. They, they, they called me a Russian disinformation artist. No one wants to go through that. And, and I think they scared the rest of the media off. And silence will be the greatest sin of omission that the in industry pays on this particular issue. They were silent when Adam Schiff took my phone records. No one was outraged then, except for the Wall Street Journal op-ed pages. Please uh, count this as a, uh, a genuine call of support, but not from anybody with any kind of journalistic credibility. <laughs> but we're behind oh, you, John. Uh, you. It's, it means a lot. It is. Yeah, it, it is really bad. Now, tell me, because Rudy Giuliani, uh, his son came out and said they left all of the information about Hunter Biden's laptop is is that real or is was that just a you it's know true. Uh, yeah they, uh, Rudy Giuliani says he offered them laptop because it met the description of the electronic devices that should be seized and the agents told him he, they didn't want it that's what he said on Tucker Carlson last night uh, now there could be a I'll offer because I always try to be fair and down the middle on these things yep, yep. they already have the Hunter Biden laptop so having another copy of it might not be as important to the FBI. They've had it. We know that. So maybe it's not a big deal. Here's something that I think is more shocking that Rudy Giuliani said that I don't think people picked up on. I've done the reporting this morning and I have confirmed this. Rudy intimated and I have confirmed affirmatively that in November of 19, the Trump Justice Department under the direction of Bill Barr authorized the secret, it's called clandestine, seizure of uh, Rudy Giuliani's law records, uh, as well as Victoria Tensing's law records. Why is that so significant? It's very rare to do clandestine seizures of, of data. 
but uh, in the case of Rudy Giuliani, I believe it was their cloud. You know, it's all of his records in the in the cloud from his email. And wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So when you say law records, could that yeah. include attorney-client privileged stuff? It absolutely did because the government had to set up a team and self-determine because they weren't asking Rudy what what uh, what records were privileged and what weren't. But think about oh the my moment. gosh. Yes, that, that's how far our surveillance state has gone. But And let's think about its significance from two things. They've had all this stuff for two years. They never brought charges. They had access to everything, and now they're going to raid his home and get the same stuff a second time. But here's a, here's a more important point. At that very moment in November of 2019, when those clandestine or uh, covert uh, seizures were occurring— he was advising the president's impeachment strategy as Adam Schiff was conducting the impeachment oh trial. My God. Victoria Newland, the, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York may very well have had access to some of Rudy Giuliani's strategy, Ukraine. And remember, it was the Ukraine issue that was at the, Rudy Giuliani's role was the issue in the impeachment trial. It's a very chilling thing. Attorneys have privileges. Journalists are supposed to have privileges. It appears that the surveillance state of America, whether it's Adam Schiff's surveillance state with his subpoena for phone records or the Justice Department, doesn't seem to regard the privileges of attorneys or the privileges of journalists as robustly as they did 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. That is is bone. So there we go. There's there's part of the story here. So you noticed an, or heard a name in there that you probably have heard before, at least out of my mouth. Uh, her name is Victoria Newland. Now, he prefaced, he didn't go into some background on her, but he should have. So he mentioned that 20 years ago he was a target of uh, the Bush uh, DOJ, as he uh, called it. Well, at that time, Victoria Newland was working for the Bush administration, and she was actually one of Cheney's uh, top foreign advisors uh, before she moved over into communications. And then Victoria Newland uh, wound up out and uh, wound up in the Obama administration. She's been in the State Department all of her career. I think she started in the '90s or or even the late '80s. Uh, she just got reconfirmed uh, to the uh, State Department. Uh, in an assistant uh, position, I think, uh, foreign affairs or current affairs. She got a position in the Biden administration just recently. As a, She testi- uh, did her testimony in April, and just, uh, I guess, uh, according to her Wikipedia, it's been updated. Why is she so important? Uh, she's a, she is a key cog in this entire mechanism that's being uh, spun up, uh, and along with Joe Biden, of course, and Hunter Biden, but uh, in order uh, in order for us to go further down the road, we need to uh, uh, put some background together uh, on her. So uh, this is was an interview uh, she did for uh, uh, C- uh, CBS. Uh, we'll just go ahead and play it, and we'll go from there. Victoria, uh, Congressman uh, Gowdy said 
they now have concerns about the State Department. You served there until recently. Do you know what he's talking about? I don't. I look forward to, to hearing what he's talking about. I will tell you, though, Margaret, that uh, during the Ukraine crisis in 2014 and 15, uh, Chris Steele had a number of commercial clients who were asking him for reports on what was going on in Russia, what was going on in Ukraine, what was going on between them. Uh, Chris had a friend at the State Department, and he offered us that reporting uh, free so that we could also benefit from it. It was one of, you know, hundreds of sources mm -hmm. that we were using to try to understand what was going on. Uh, then in the middle of July, when he was doing this other work and became concerned... The dossier. The dossier. Uh, he passed uh, two to four pages of short points of what he was finding, and our immediate reaction to that was, this is not in our purview. This needs to go to the FBI if there is any concern here that one candidate or the election as a whole uh, might be influenced by the Russian Federation. That's for the something for the FBI to investigate. Uh, and that was our reaction when we saw this. It's not our, our we can't mm -hmm. evaluate this. Uh, and frankly, if every member of the campaign who the Russians tried to approach and tried to influence had gone to the FBI as well in real time, we not, might not be in the mess we're in today. In early February of 2014, as the Maiden crisis was getting more violent, there was a phone call that was intercepted. It was a call between the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, Victoria Nuland, and the U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Jeffrey Pyatt. Questions of credibility are being raised after a private chat between two top U.S. diplomats was leaked online. I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, it, I, think that's, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him? Here's the next step. Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. So you had this remarkable phone call where you have these two senior officials of the U.S. government apparently talking about a coup or how they were planning to restructure the government of Ukraine. Fuck the EU. No, exactly. I'm not saying the whole U.S. government feels that way. The there is, there is division on this, but the neoconservative element wants very much to change the strategic dynamic in Eastern Europe. So, yeah, they do want to change the dynamic out there, uh, but it's a little bit more complex than that. So those two pieces there kind of show you what kind of person she is. She mentioned about the FBI and the hundreds of sources and the... They passed it along to the FBI, so um, she had a lot of contact with uh, Mr. Steele, and she had a lot of contact with the Ukrainian uh, situation. Her uh, contact started as early as uh, well. It would, I mean, she was out there. She's the she was the Assistant Secretary of State for European Affairs, but uh, her uh, focus obviously was honed in on Ukraine and the bastard there. Which we're going to get to because uh, you mentioned I there was a mention of Maria Yovanovitch and some other people. So when I mentioned uh, if you mention Ukraine, here's some things you need to know. So Pamela Carlin was one of the uh, one of the people that was brought on by the um, what do you call it the the prosecution uh, led by Adam Schiff, 
Well, she's now at the DOJ, uh, so she testified. Uh, and then we know about Vinman, who's got a book deal. And then Newland, uh, she left the, left the State Department, I think, uh, January 20th or 25th. She left immediately. As soon as Trump took office, she left almost almost instantaneously. And then she went back to uh, the think tank world. She first ran a think tank, um, something about a new... Uh, well, she... Um, she was with the project for a new American century, or maybe she wasn't with that one. She was with a C CNAC or some other uh, situation. Just so you know, her husband is uh, Robert Kagan, and she's the Robert Kagan, John Bolton, and others started the the uh, uh, William Crystal started the the think tank, uh, the project for a new American century back in the late 1990s. They were the war hawks that got you into the Iraq War. Those were the people who were spinning up the 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 narrative that needed to get us in there with along with dick cheney who of course now we know liz cheney is out wyoming and she's shooting her mouth off and she's making a play for uh, republican dominance as as per usual this is all jockeying for position and power and there's a certain status quo that they're trying to maintain they're globalists they're the I've always separated that, or I, my my hypothesis here is that the Democrats focused on domestic corruption. They're the ones who run your cities. They're the ones that are creating the crime. When I say creating the crime, they 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 don't they don't stop it. They keep people uh, satiated through bread and circuses and welfare checks and and the host of other little policies that are undermining to the good working order of a, a society, uh, pushing gender. Uh, 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 extremism and stuff like that and the republicans are generally your outward facing foreign policy people so like victoria newland i mean she came through the pipeline she's a russian expert she speaks uh, she speaks russian uh and and so is her uh, hubby who uh is involved with this and they're also involved with people who work at work at the washington post uh max boot and those kind of people and Mitt romney and uh, John McCain, uh, when uh, the Ukrainian situation popped off in late December of 2013, um, due to the fact that Russia was uh, offering Ukrainian money because they're, both sides are corrupt. Ukraine is corrupt as hell, and we know that. Um, <clears throat> and so, and so is Russia. Uh, but <laughs> given given it's hard for us to be the ones to judge them, considering look at where we're at. Uh, nowadays so anyways you're looking at that and john mccain showed out there to to uh, uh lend some kind of excuse me uh support for the uh situation and of course newland was there too she appeared in front of like a chevron sign and uh was a whole uh whoop-de-woo so you you get a feeling for who's running uh was trying to run the rodeo and barack obama was president so just so you know uh, not that it should be very hard to, or to uh, ferret that out, but uh, so uh, the foreign policy was being run, still being run by neocons, um, even under Obama, because it doesn't really matter. Like I said, I think this is their their pot of corruption. So I think there's a segregation generally, but I think uh, there's an internal battle for that uh, supremacy, and I think uh, the Democrats have now won that. Uh, but you know, the people that are corrupt. And they know who was corrupt in Washington. They're uh, all together in all together on this, uh, so to speak. 
So our next our next policy or next thing is I'm going to play uh, uh, some tidbits from uh, Rudy Giuliani's Common Sense. This was from episode two. This was the second video he put up. I'm going to play a couple snippets of that, and then we'll, and then we're going to move on to uh, what Trump had to say about Maria Yovanovitch. January twenty third, twenty eighteen. And I'm just going to read you one sentence by Joe Biden. If the prosecutor is not fired, you're not getting the money. If the prosecutor is not fired, is the official action. You're not getting uh, the money. Is the something of value that's put at stake. That's the crime of bribery. All you need to add now is corruptly, and I'll show you very simply how we do that. But now you make sure that I'm right. You listen to that portion of the video. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "Nah." I said, "I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said, call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Well, as you see, I quoted it correctly, and it's a lot more complete than that. This this is not just a bribe. This could also be considered an extortion because uh, this was this was done by threat. Um, this wasn't like a business deal. I'm going to leave here. I think it was about six hours. I looked at them and said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a, he got fired and they put in place someone who was solid at the time. He sure was solid because ultimately the case on his son, the case on his son's crooked boss who stole five billion dollars. I said five billion. And uh, his son's corrupt company, uh, Burisma, just went away. And he was able to come back back to the Ukraine. Ukraine. So now we're going to move ahead about 10 minutes. I mean, we can go further. I let Rudy talk forever. He he, he has a tendency to ramble on. But uh, I'm just playing snippets from this particular episode. But I want to focus in on a a few uh, points of uh, order, I guess you could say. Or a few points, and we'll go from there. So, right. Spotting, if not unsuccessful, record in business. His son had been involved in several questionable other attempts to sell Joe Biden's office when he was senator. Um, The whole situation with the bank that he worked for was a scandal never investigated. He also had a company that virtually went bankrupt. And he suffers from uh, drug addiction seriously. Um, Many situations of in and out of rehab. One very prominent one when he failed his drug test and was thrown out of the United States Navy. Just a short while before he was put on the board of this crooked company. So a very unlikely choice. There'd be no reason to hire Hunter Biden other than to buy Joe Biden. No reason. And there are witnesses who can testify to that. So you will hear that during our trial. Two bribes. First one is Loshevsky buys Joe Biden's protection in case Poroshenko wants to take his business away, in case the 
Ukrainian government wants to take his business away. And he pays him off in part by paying somewhere between five and eight million dollars to his son's company, which um, had no other had no business purpose of any kind other than as a bribe to Joe Biden. There also is indications of other money going to Biden. There's a nine hundred thousand dollar wire transfer. A coincidence that he got fired in February, March of of uh, of 2016, because on the second day of February 2016, he arrested the Burisma company. Remember all these Biden uh, hacks say that the case was dormant. Well, right on the record, there's an arrest of Burisma on February 2nd of 2016. Hardly a dormant case. I got the files here. These are the files. They're lying. They're lying, and the press is just accepting it. So this is a case where we're, um, we can go into further detail, but we won't, um, just because what I'm, what I'm trying to do is we all know about Hunter Biden's problems with uh, China, at least most recently, but he was uh, his, uh, um, for example, Rudy didn't mention that, uh, yeah, he got drummed out of the United States Navy, I think, in a matter of, a matter of days or a day. Uh, right after he was, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, sworn or uh, initiated, inaugurated. I, I think it's inaugurated is the right term um, into the into the office uh, as a United States naval officer. I assume he was supposed to be working in JAG because he the only the only qualifications I think he has is he's a lawyer, and he does lots of business deals from that perspective. Now the next is going to be a, a prolonged uh, playing. I'm gonna. The reason why is because this was the dinner party, the secret dinner party that either Les Par- uh, Parnas uh, it recorded for an hour, hour and a half inside the White House. Uh, it, it it seems awfully convenient that the security around the, the presidency of uh, Donald Trump was often flouted and or just ignored. And it seems like uh, it was pretty easy. Uh, it seems like anybody could... Uh, that. It, uh, in other words, it seems like there was a uh, a breakdown in uh, decorum. Now, I know people will say, well, that's because he has all his pit viper uh, lobbyists and, and pals and stuff like that. And um, agreed, you can you can make that argument. And we could also make the same arguments about the, the, the other occupants of the White House and who they decided to hang around with and who they allowed to knock on their front door and what did they provide for them and what was their uh, uh, general p- point of view. And we'll get to that in the final discussion because uh, this is a matter of two worldviews or two, uh, uh, put this way, this is a matter of two particular uh, uh, potentialities and you have to decide which one would you rather have uh, of the options. I know there's a third option always for everybody. They say, well, I don't want either one of those options. It's like, uh, it may not be, it's not up to you to make those choices. It's, there's very little, there's almost very little anybody can actually do other than what they vote for. And they can only vote for a minute and, and make minute changes. And then over a course of time, make maybe make long-term uh, changes but the only way you can get a long-term change in something is by doing it consistently for, in, in the case of governance, you know, 16 to 24 years, I think. 
I think it takes it minim, a minimum of four to six uh, election cycles. So I'm going to play this. This sets up the background. And if you listen to listen to what Trump says and how he goes about uh, ascertaining information from people, I think that's the more qualified thing before we get to Yovanovitch. But it's a it's about a ten minute uh, piece from his uh, a dinner party that was uh, secretly recorded and was released uh, about five days after. It was like January 25th of 2020 by uh, PBS and uh, other outlets. Yeah, man, just try it. Yes, they were there. I was, I was there, absolutely. Yeah. Well, honestly, they're going more crazy. The press is now more crazy. I got 1,000 employees in Pennsylvania, and there's a hard hat signed by about 200 of them sitting in a bag wow. over there you saying thank you. So we appreciate it. They're very Well, nice. I think the press is now more crazy than they were then. They're going totally bananas. They keep doubling down. You know, you know, maybe oh, you're in their head. <laughs> Your best real estate deal was getting rent free in their heads for two years. It's uh, never it's gone nuts. It's uh, what the heck. Well, the so I think we're going to do well, but you know, I don't want to say it too much, but I think we're going to do better than people think. You took that same as before. Yeah. Well, they have low, uh, you know, light. I mean, you have this one woman, Maxine Waters. Again. Oh, she's not. <laughs> I, I say she's a very low IQ person. And she's, <laughs> I, I say it publicly. I say it. Oh, we've heard that one. We've heard that one. You mean all hands okay? You don't hear from her anymore. It's the craziest thing. Since I've said that, I don't hear from her anymore. Really? It's crazy. How's the food? Good? I do want you to touch on this whole like pop culture, Candace Owens, you know, Kanye West. That was a big for that younger African-American generation. I think it's going to be a change. about it, right? Well, and Tommy Absolutely. and I do a lot of work with Candace and Charlie Kirk. And so, yeah, it's, it's been great. I'm actually traveling with both of them this whole week. But she's really become... She's great. I mean, she works for Charlie Kirk, who is a genius as well. They're just brilliant. You know, and you saw that there was a big article today in one of the big papers talking about how the Democrats are losing the stranglehold on the millennials, and it's literally all him. But I have to um, tell you, like, our son is 16, our daughter's 20, and now they're texting us. Did you Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you see on Instagram? And now, now my son sat me down last night. Did you hear the Conway West song, Mom? I'm like, no, Jack, I didn't. And Have you heard the new song? And then you talked the lyrics through. And Brand so new. it was just interesting that the young people, they are talking about, the high schoolers are talking about <coughs> in Canada, by the way. Yeah, so, even more. Right. Yeah. You're talking about both sides and our daughters yeah. in the States. So. NAFTA, NAFTA was good because I got my wife's shoes on that. <laughs> <laughs> just that. How are your businesses going? How are they doing? Well, we put a lot of natural gas. So why are the prices so high? There's so much oil and gas. Natural gas is high. Is that OPEC? Oh, yeah. But oil's uh, oil's almost at seventy. Huh? I I would think that somebody's somebody is. There's no good reason for it because there's one. Well, it's a monopoly of OPEC. Yeah, but but OPEC is. You know, they shot themselves in the foot when they started the oversupply thing in 2015. Mm -hmm. And 
they, but aren't the they frackers, don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, aren't the frackers out now because of the price and they're going crazy opening up new wells? Right? Absolutely. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah, you can't have Absolutely. 30's too low. Yeah. 80, 90 is too high. That healthy range in there, they can make money there. And 65 to 70. Yeah. Is See, frac fracking's right. changed, right? You, you used to frack a well four times. I make the two for it, they make the pumps. To, it's to really work. called exploration yeah. and production. Yeah, yeah. they're much more productive. You frack like a well 30 times. Yeah, yeah. 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 the technology is so much different. Uh, you can go yeah. back and all these dry wells and pull it out. But is the fracking starting then? Because, you know, for a while the price was too low. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, last year was a recovery yeah. year, this year is a really good year. Where, where Texas is, uh, I mean, West Texas. Drilling is really good. Right really Permian Basin is really so will that drive the price? No, I think it, it should be. It helps. Texas and Coquitlam now that we produce it. Well. Uh, 15, it got 30. Yeah, we can the more they produce it, now they could drive it anyway. It should be yeah. yeah. more than Is it going to? Uh, we're, we're actually self-sufficient really right now, basically. Absolutely. Right, meaning producing as much as we our own. Yeah, if it wasn't for West Texas, we'd probably have eighty-five dollar oil. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, more. probably more. Yeah. yeah. So how big is West Texas compared? I mean, comparing like West Texas to Saudi Arabia. Okay. What's your, what's your difference? We're probably sixty percent. Sixty. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. About six, six million barrels a day. Yeah. Hey, don't yeah. forget about North. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's just West Texas. That's just West Texas. What's the quality in West Texas? Life. Sweet. It's really Life good. Is really it's high. Like yeah. Yeah. So what's the quality in Venezuela? Very bad, right? It's very heavy. Yeah. Heavy. Heavy. Yeah. Heavy sulfur. And, we're, and is we're, that hurting oil prices? We're importing Venezuelan oil because our refineries aren't able to change to, to light, sweet, crude like we have here. You need, That's you, why we you, export. Yeah. yeah but you so need, we're exporting you, it you to other refineries because we can't. Right, that's the problem. No we need like what? new refineries. New refineries yeah. that are able to refine the. Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time we built a new refinery? That was under the tax plan. Thirty-five years. Nineteen seventy-four or seventy-eight was the new refinery. Yeah. Yeah, just before cell phones. Yep. A long time before. Guy told me last weekend in Big Lake, Texas, which is a little bitty dot out in the Permian Basin, he pulled into a Motel Six. Cost him four hundred and fifty dollars yep. per night. Wow! wow. <laughs> it is when is that? When? Last week. Huh. Uh, well, it's just but the geopolitical conflict. Oh, so LNG yeah. changes the game, right? Oh, yeah. If we export LNG, we can we can Which supply Europe, and Putin's done. Yep. Right. Yeah. Which is much more expensive. Why Putin is is from a national security standpoint. How fantastic! But he's over. He's done. Well, how about Germany opening up a pipeline into Russia, and we're supposed to be. Okay, fighting Russia. Right. Right. So Germany's paying Russia like $2 billion a month. Crazy. And they're a member of NATO. Yes. Okay, figure that and, crazy. And they can they're, they're building coal plants in Germany. Yeah. And we're paying 90% of the, the cost of NATO. Well, we're in the process yeah, of purchasing an energy well, company in Ukraine right now that should help cut off Russia's... How's Ukraine doing? Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> they love you, though. I yeah, can tell you that much. They love you. Great. Great. I tell you, they're great fighters. Great <laughs> fighters. They love you. I think they are. They're great fighters. They've, they've been fighting for so long. They don't know what to do without fighting. Yeah. But Russia's had them under yes, right. under under their yeah, well, for they so need long. directions. For a long time. They're waiting for direction. I could tell you that much. They're ready. They're. I think there's a definitely a good opportunity. But it's a problem. I mean, Big problem. You guys just have a big order of javelin missiles over there, right? The, the anti-tank missiles. Yes. So that go through there. Right? Yes. Not, not only today. Yeah. Like I, I saw, I read about it today. Yeah. I don't know when it happened. Yeah. It, must have, it must have happened within the last couple of days. They're getting it, but yeah. Let's think Russia ever goes in and gets uh, Ukraine or not. 
it's, uh, I, I don't. I, uh, they would love uh, to. They would they're love, love to, but they're scared of you. Yeah. Yeah. Right yeah. now, but, but they got if, what they if, wanted. If they wanted access to the sea. Not they, really. No, they want Ukraine. Ukraine is a vast. Ukraine, uh, uh, Ukraine, uh, not even Crimea. The, the resources in Ukraine are tremendous. Like and, West Texas, exactly. Absolutely. And right now. Not only that, but uh, Ukraine is a sore throat th th <coughs> in their throat because of supplying the pipeline because all the pipeline goes through Ukraine. So Ukraine Poland. has oil? A lot. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Number one in Europe. Yeah. yeah, we could. Ukraine? Yeah. Yes. How come they, they, they don't have really much? They don't have any money. Exactly. They're, exactly. They, they've been, they, Russia, why are the companies going into too risky? Because exactly the point. They were supporting uh, the Clintons for all these years and hoping that, you know, and then when... Obviously, Victor, you Victor want Biden. Biden. <laughs> yeah, that was a big thing. Sure, over too, having Ray yeah. Washburn at OPEC, he's, he's able to ensure some of the uh, economic investment in the Ukraine. The, the, I guess geology is very similar to West Texas. So you yes, got a lot of yeah, these guys in West Texas who are going over there. But the potential is number one. In the potential is incredible. And the communists kept great records of, you know, yes, everything underground. Absolutely, so. they have everything there. They're just right now waiting for your support a little bit to make sure because. Obviously, if they go on their own, Russia will, will, won't let them do it because they'll cut off a lot of their uh, revenue. How long have they lasted a fight with Russia? Not very I don't think very long. Without us, not very long. Without us, not us. But Russia also, keep in mind, talks a big game, but they're not ready to. Uh, he's not. He. They don't. They don't. They're not ready to play. Well, Russia's the what thirteenth. Their economy, yeah, their economy. Big game, but not. He talks yeah. a big game, but he, you know, he, even with Syria, it was a great, great job. How's Ukraine feeling about it all right now? Oh. Uh, they're actually very much, very much appreciate everything you're doing. No, but they, do they feel they're going to be okay? Yes. They feel they're going to be okay if you support them. Yeah, and you don't love Russia. Poroshenko is a good guy. He's a he's he wants the right thing for. It. I mean, the so biggest. It's always us that has to support everybody. Well, the biggest yeah. problem is the corruption. You wonder, there, yeah. Why isn't it Germany supporting? He's very much he he needs support. Huh? Germany not supported him. Yeah, not at all. Germany's going behind our. Germany's not doing They're supporting Russia. Russia. They're supporting Russia. You think so? Oh, hundred percent. So. Two billion to pay Russia. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Just makes no sense. It doesn't exactly. It doesn't. Poroshenko needs support from you. A lot of the exactly a lot of the European countries they're backstabbing us basically and dealing with Russia, and that's why you're having such. I think uh, if you take over, the biggest problem there I think where we where we need to start is we gotta get rid of the ambassador. It's she's still left over from the Clinton administration. Who are the ambassador? Were Ukraine? Yeah, and she's basically walking around telling everybody, wait, he's gonna get impeached. Uh, just wait. I mean, really? it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's incredible. It's She'll like, be gone tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Well, it, What's your uh, I don't remember the name. Yeah. So one of the things yeah. that will be now that we have a secretary. Get rid of her. Hooray. Okay, get her out tomorrow. Okay, get her out tomorrow. Take her out. Okay? Excellent. Do it. Make a note. Excellent. Yeah, congratulations. Mike, I think you'll be great. Yes, Mike, you'll be great. Yeah. Pompeo's going to be good. He's doing a good job. Already he's doing a good job. No, we got it going pretty good. We got a lot of interesting things. A lot of good stuff. Mr. President, why can't you walk down to the FBI? With the <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I mean, I mean, with TV cameras, they give me the 1.2 million 
Literally with TV cam, give me the one going through. And if they don't, you're fired, you're fired. It's so incredible. It's so incredible, I can't even believe it. I can't yell at the TV anymore. No, it's a deep state deal, but it's going good. You see the other side. Unbelievable. Yeah. And the stuff that they have is so bad about the other side that they're trying to keep it. They're hiding it. It's now coming out. Are you waiting for the timing of it? To yeah, be I have released? to wait. Yeah. I'm waiting for the timing. The right time. Smart. But um, it's such uh, it's such bad stuff. Like Comey is guilty already. Oh, he's, oh, he's, a, he's just a disgrace. He I can't even. He, he, he changes the story. I can't oh, even. I can't even. So we'll leave it there. Um, I want you to pay attention, or I, I I didn't mention this, but the thing you were supposed to pay attention to is his, um, in this case, remember, this is a dinner party. His son is there. He's got some invited guests, obviously people that are in the energy business or energy sector because that's what they were talking about in particular. Uh, enough to, and, and whether you believe what they're saying or or whatnot, you know, I'm, I, who knows, I don't know who all was at that table, because we don't have names, we don't have name tags on this, and, and the, the recording was done, but it was done from uh, May, April 30th of uh, 2018, so this was about six months before the, his, uh, before the midterms, so anyway, the, the ambassador wasn't fired for uh, uh, another year. She wasn't uh, put on notice until, I think, May of 2019. But the style is is important here. So Trump is asking questions. He's trying to gather or glean information from uh, people about things in regards to uh, oil, uh, production, uh, uh, type, grade, He's also who's got what, uh, why is Germany backstabbing us, or uh, you notice that Germany is, and why are they doing all these deals with Russia, you know, there's a, a multitude of variables, but he, he's trying to pick people's brains. Autocrats are, I mean, maybe maybe they do do this kind of stuff, but a lot of people, you know, that are highly, you know, authoritarian, they're listening, they they only expect people to give them the answers that they want to hear, and they they phrase the questions that way. But Trump is just looks like he's just sitting there, just going, "Hey, uh, what can you tell me about this?" You know, uh, because he's trying to you know uh, strategize based upon that information. And as we know, his own State Department was lying to him about the amount of troop levels that we had overseas, and like. Uh, the Af uh, I think in Syria, not Syria, but uh, Egypt and other places. So he can't trust. He couldn't trust the people in his administration. And I think he almost knew that, though he tried to think, believe that things were going to get better. So, uh, as far as the comment that the the mainstream media hung on with bated breath, there was his uh, his uh, get rid of her. You know, you know. Uh, they may he they make it sound like you know he meant you know take her and when he said take her out or whatever that that meant that he you know he wanted her you know harmed or some BS like that. This was from April thirtieth of twenty nineteen. What he was saying is fire her ass. He didn't even know who she was because he he <laughs> they put it this way he didn't even know who who was the ambassador in Ukraine. 
He didn't know that. He didn't know who she was in particular. He may have met her one time. And for people out there who think, oh, well, he should know everybody's name and everything like that. It's like, really? This guy hasn't been in politics his entire life. He knows lots of people all over the world. I'm sure he knows who he really wants to talk to. And some State Department ambassador who's been a functionary for the for the entirety of her career uh, is, is probably not high on his priority list. Of course, he was learning. He So he's literally learning on the job about how to do his job. And I know a lot of people say, well, that, that doesn't uh, bode confidence. It's like, well... That's what you do when you're new to your new to your task of uh, being uh, being uh, the president of the United States, and you're trying to make policy or trying to formulate po- policy for all of us. And so he mentioned taxes in that uh, conversation. He mentioned the difference between West Texas and Saudi Arabia, uh, Venezuela. Like I said, to me, uh, in, in in LNG and etc. So he's hyper-focused on energy. Uh, can you understand why? Why do you think we had low energy prices throughout the Trump administration? Energy did not become a major issue under the Trump, uh, Trump administration. I think at one point I was paying a buck ninety-nine at the, uh, the pump, uh, which is prices that I remember from the late 90s. And so from 2000 to about, you know, to his end of his administration, I hadn't seen uh, under $2 gas and, you know, during that time frame, it was difficult to remember a time when I wasn't paying three bucks a gallon or or during uh, the latter part of uh, 2007 or 2008. I do remember driving around and paying, you know, three fifty four dollars a gallon. So uh, it was appreciative that we were having a better energy policy. And of course, the very first thing that Biden does when he gets into office is uh, cancel the Keystone Pipeline and put people out of work. And gas prices have gone back up. Now we're almost we're about two seventy. We're about fifty to seventy five cents higher than we were during the Trump administration. So yes, and of course, the energy uh, policy is usually tied to uh, I would say to conservatives or neocons and people that are invested in certain areas are going to be happy for that. Um, what I was trying to get to with and and there's a uh, I'm going to backtrack here for a second so. Notice under the Rudy, uh, not, uh, the John Solomon reporting, he mentioned uh, William Barr had given the go-ahead for uh, the Department of Justice or the FBI to, or whoever uh, clandestine operation was done to record, or, uh, or not record, but to uh, 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 access Rudy's files, his SoundCloud in or, or not SoundCloud, but the cloud, uh, his storage uh, for um, uh, his client, which was Donald Trump. Now, what does that tell you? And what does that tell you about where we're at when uh, Barr was doing this in November of 2019? So Barr was in on it from the entire time. Now, this this shouldn't this isn't a shock to me because he was the one who hijacked Trump when the election came around in 2020. He was the one who called uh, any interference bullshit. Uh, he was, uh, and Trump realized this. Um, I, I captured an interview or watched an interview where someone asked him about Barr, and this was in November, maybe maybe the very first week of December. And they were asking about this, and I noticed that Trump paused. He hesitated for a second. 
And when I say he paused and hesitated, it, was, it wasn't a hesitation just because he was gathering his thoughts. I could see some fear in his eyes. So somehow or another, he knew something was up there. And uh, he was careful in his choice of words. Now, we all know Barr is a CIA-trained former attorney general for George Herbert Walker Bush. Uh, he was on the board of Taiwan Warner. He was a, a lawyer, a chief partner counsel at Kirkland Ellis. He brought in the entire Kirkland Ellis team into the White House and the Department of Justice. At least the, the people that were close to him were parasiting over there. And Kirkland Ellis also had uh, done uh, some of the work on the patents for Dominion. Um, I can verify that. I have verified that. So... And I'm not saying it's a big issue, but the reason why it, it, it could be a big issue is because uh, those uh, patents were moved around in September of 2019, October. There was a there was a, a a flurry of activity in that time frame where the patents got passed around between HSBC, HSBC um, uh, that's a Canadian uh, entity. Uh, and it went to, uh, I forget who the other places it went to or went through, but they were, there was a flurry of activity that is unusual for patents and they were handled by a particular person. I think, uh, the name was Renee Pascan, you know, a, a subordinate. It wasn't anybody in supposedly important. I looked up the name, um, uh, but that doesn't really mean anything. That's just the name that was on the pat, uh, put in into the paperwork that doesn't tell me who was running the running the rodeo and so there's a host of interesting connections there in the meantime uh, you had this victoria newland who she was involved with joffrey pratt now pratt was uh became a uh become a, a a particular point of interest because of his uh his uh, being, uh, he was basically interrogated by our uh, 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 Justice Department in uh, 2020. So there was a, it seems in late uh, September, uh, Now he's now a Greece ambassador, was interviewed. He was interviewed about his situation out in Ukraine. And he was interviewed about uh, Eric Chiaramella, who actually was out there in Ukraine during this time. So you heard about the leak coming from... Uh, uh, Charmella on the on this uh, situation, the name that could not be spoken on YouTube. Uh, so I'm gonna read an excerpt from this. Uh, this was done between uh, it was a House Intel, uh, I think it was a or Senate Intelligence. I'm sorry, uh, I have a link in the description to the to the document. And there's a it's a 150 page report. So Mr. Downing wrote uh, said. During the vice president's trip to Ukraine in 2015, you mentioned these articles in the New York Times and other publications were coming out regarding Hunter Biden's being in, on, being on the Burisma board. During that trip, did you discuss with the vice president the fact that his son ser served on a Ukrainian gas company's board? Ambassador Pat uh, Pyatt. It wouldn't have crossed my mind for the reason I earlier stated that it had no impact on my work or life in Ukraine. Mr. Downey. So you never gave the thought of raising a concern to the vice president about his board position, about this board position his son had, uh, Ambassador Pyatt. No, he's the vice president of the United States, and it would have been wildly out of place for me to raise something like that, especially insofar as he had, had zero impact on the work that I was doing. Mr. Downing, 
Did you ever, did you, did you or any member of your team in Kiev believe that Hunter Biden's position on the Burisma board was a conflict of interest? Ambassador Pyatt, again, you know, you'll have to ask other members of the embassy in terms of what their perspectives were. It had no impact on the work that I did. Uh, conflict of interest sounds like a lawyer term, so I'm not competent to make that just uh, judgment. You know, as a public official, I do my o OGE forms every day, every year, and I have a clear sense of what my obligations are in terms of conflict of interest. But I simply cannot speak to the private citizen like Hunter Biden. Mr. Downey, so you never raised any concerns about Hunter B Biden's board membership on Burisma to Vice President Biden. And by Ambassador Pyatt, I had no reason to raise any concern about Hunter Biden to Vice President Biden because it had no impact on my work. As far as I can discern, it had no impact on the vigorous approach Vice President Biden took to implementing and supporting our anti-corruption policy. And it, it just wasn't a part of the world that I was responsible for out in Ukraine. Mr. Downey, during your time as ambassador in Ukraine, was the was there Russians or Russians-aligned oligarchs that were pushing the fact that Hunter was on Burisma's board, or you know, the opposite of what the U.S. policy was regarding anti-corruption? Ambassador Pyatt, there was one incident that was consistent with that, and I was reminded of it in the documents that you guys sent me, that Russian lovers of maligned influence in Ukraine are so extensive and widespread they hardly needed Hunter Biden in order to undermine the country. You know, the Russians have deeply penetrated. After the collapse of the Soviet Union, they deeply penetrated Ukrainian intelligence, the Ukrainian military. The whole energy sector was controlled by Russian interests because we're... We're talking about in this instance was Russia gas from Russia flowing through Ukraine to wealthy Russian customers by Germany. That whole that's the why the whole U.S. government to include the Sen has been empathetic in working to block the Nord Stream two, uh, two pipeline as exactly the right policy is. You've got to strangle this stuff off. So Russia has so many levers of malign influence in Ukraine. There was, as I said, there was this one instance of media outlet which we judged to be heavily influenced, if not a direct tool of the Russian intelligence services, which lifted this issue up as part of an apparent effort to embarrass Vice President Biden. But it didn't get much traction, and as I said, this was not an issue that was widely talked about or widely reported at the time I was in Ukraine. My guess is there were probably more attention in Ukraine today to all this stuff than there was at the time when I was there. But you haven't, you'd have to ask the current team. So I'm a. There's more to be read. You can read the whole entire report, report here, but uh, I think you can gather his uh, sarcasm too, and his uh, obvious support of uh, jo Joseph Biden. Uh, you know, when he says, you know, the vigorous approach of Vice President Biden. And it seems that seems to be one of their key words to describe uh, Joe Biden vigorous. As if to gaslight people into believing that he really is a uh, uh, high action person. He's highly corrupt. I think we can we can all probably look at the actions of his son and, and figure that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, and we've we've heard him on tape mention how he uses he, he used his position of power as a vice president. So, as far as Ambassador Pyatt is concerned, who was ca captured on 
uh, a tape with New, uh, Victoria Newland. I think it's pretty. Um, it can be. It could be made. There could be a case to be made that Pyatt is uh, withholding. And if you read this whole document, which I've read probably maybe thirty or forty percent of it, I, I'm not going to pretend that I've read the whole thing cover to cover. I, I did a word search on it and uh, regarding Biden and whatnot and Newland and and went through that, but it's been a while. Um, I didn't prep for this podcast as well as I should have, but I did give you the snippets and I'm giving you the the broad landscape. So this idea that um, we here's here's the money shot. You have these two world views in the United States. Now, the one the, the globalist worldview is going on at, at, at present. The globalist worldview is uh, they're trying to tear down this country completely, down to its down to nothing, and they're going to exploit it on the way down. They're strip mining our country. They're strip strip mining of it, strip mining it of its values, of its uh, resources, of uh, its character, its culture. And they're going to totally erase it from history. And the people that are doing it are the very people that work for us. They don't care about this country. All they care about is their money. And, the, and they'll take their money and split. As long as they have the levers of power pointed at us and the guns and the bullets, they're going to continue to do so. This has had the malevolence, that is the rot to the core that is inside D.C. And they, and, and, and they very well could be... Uh, completely compromised uh, up and down the chain uh, from Congress to the agencies and etc. We just found out that the director of the CIA currently, uh, Burns, was, uh, oh, well, or at least was made uh, clear to us that uh, he was working uh, for, um, I forget what the name of the foundation was, but it's received a significant amount of funding from the Chinese Communist Party through the uh, through their United Front Operations I think it was MacArthur. I I, I shouldn't speculate, but I, 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 there was a report uh, put out by uh, uh, well uh, by a former CIA officer and uh, Sam uh, Faddis and uh, uh, Natalie Winters at the National Pulse. Of course, I've I've been uh, listening to this on the, the channel that broadcasts just the news. So of course, you can say, well, you're getting your news from uh, a slanted source and blah blah blah. Uh, to the left, to the far left, I really don't care what they think. They're just, they're just sheep. They're just going to continue to, they're, they're just interested in getting their gibs on the way out the door as this country falls apart. You know, as they try to bring us to a socialist utopia, that'll never be a utopia. It'll be a nightmare. Um, there may be, uh, other more, uh, militaristic efforts that they're planning on, uh, doing. Because this is what people like, the, uh, people that are morally bankrupt, uh, we'll do this. So that's that's their worldview. It's not a pleasant one. Now the other one is what Trump was ascertaining to try to push us towards, which was a a a, a lower tax free free society with uh, some values or traditional values, a la nineteen fifties nineteen sixties. Now, do you think Trump represents those values? He probably doesn't. At least not in his overt long-term lifetime but you know what he's 75 years old what he thinks now what he thought when he was 30 and 35 are are could be exactly the same and can be also very different people do change over time he became he went from a democrat to uh running as a republican candidate so 
uh, that really pissed off the neocons because the neocons had people uh, had pulled the wool over their eyes for you know forever and a day that they're this uh, party of you know strong values and everything else but then they would just go ahead and get us some wars and and uh, uh, shame and guilt guilt trip uh, uh, their voters into saying why don't you send your sons to war for us because you know they're doing the right thing they're protecting American values no they're just they were just dying for worthless causes across the across the seas and I say worthless causes because the only people that benefited from it were uh, the people that were invested in in wars uh, it was a good debt trap for us too now we're in we're in deep hock and we've been uh, financing China's army build up because we have asinine policies. And on the other side of that, then you have the Democrats doing the same thing. Um, another thing that Trump mentioned in that uh, little little dinner party was uh, Clinton and Biden. He mentioned the fact that uh, uh, or the uh, one of his guests mentioned, not Trump, but one of his guests mentioned the fact that, you know, uh, the Ukrainians had turned to Clinton and Biden in it. And from my research and analysis, that's pretty much the case is that, uh, the Clintons and the Bidens were deep involved with that through, uh, various contacts. But in particular, uh, um, like for example, they, em they, uh, employed, uh, Evelyn Lieberman was their press secretary back in the nineties, uh, and was involved with, uh, communications, uh, for Madeleine Albright too. And Madeline and those those three particular uh, data points line up with the fact that uh, Evelyn had her her uh, husband Edward Lieberman was involved with uh, was uh, close allied with uh, Rentek Akhmeteshin, who was the Ukrainian FSB. I think he was an officer. He was an officer in the eighties uh, with you know the USSR before the fall of the USSR. Uh, and became a counter it was like a counterintelligence guy so he you know, put it this way he 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 was deep involved in ukrainian uh situations and he was the go-to guy uh when it came to the trump tower meeting so this whole steel dossier ukraine most of this information is actually about ukraine and very little to do about russia uh the 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 russia part of it is a false narrative for uh, for the sheep out there regarding Trump. Even Trump said, you know, hey, why is Germany doing all these deals with Russia? Are they our friends or they're, you know, members of NATO? And he called them out. Trump says exactly what's on his mind. He did, I, I remember during the summer of 2018, I think it was actually July or whenever Trump and Putin met and they made a big deal out of it. Oh, they had a private meeting and, you know, the journalists were really all, all upset about that because, you know, they wanted, I'm sure they had some, uh, they had the whole place bugged up and they, they know what, what they talked about because, you know, Trump never got any, got any, uh, got any latitude on what he was doing whatsoever. That was the whole point. The whole point of his administration, once he got, once he was put into office was to keep him under wraps and keep him as tightly, uh, tightly wound up as possible. Now, do I think Trump is a angel no of course uh, of course not do i think trump is doesn't know what's going on or doesn't know the globalist plans of course he does do i think he totally agrees with it he probably doesn't maybe the only thing he found out after a while was that there was no way he was going to defeat the plan this is just me hypothesizing there's no way he could defeat it by himself
He didn't have the allies in D.C. He wasn't going to have the allies with the the Republicans. It didn't do him any good to call them all out because, you know, you're just making enemies. Uh, He called out selectively who he wanted to call out when he wanted to call them out. But for the most part, he knew the only thing he could probably do was uh, shine lights on it, expose the problem, (coughs) which is half the battle. You have to expose the problem before you can fix the problem. Now, in the exposure of a problem, uh, you find out that there's a uh, there's a price to be had. Uh, remember, the other side gets to play on the chessboard, too. You're not the only one that's going to make those moves, even as president. And so many people go, well, he's president. He can." It's like, do you even fathom or comprehend the amount of power that's diffused around, around uh, the country through... Uh, Congress or senators or judicial power or I mean for example they've harassed him they just harassed his personal lawyer uh, through the southern district of New York which was the which was the hot spot I mean like red hot like ground zero for all their cases because the southern district of New York is a democratically held stronghold as, as well as the DC district court and now as it appears it seems like SCOTUS too so when you and and it's controlled by neocons and neoliberals who are who are still exerting their influence on those particular institutions. So it doesn't matter that you're president of the United States. It doesn't matter if you can drop a million bombs on a wherever you want to call it, which is what they want you to do. So they don't care. They don't care what the the policies of the domestic improvement of this country is anymore. These people have long long since given up on that. Why? Because they don't really they really don't want to solve problems. They make money from problems. They don't make money from solutions. There's nothing to be. There's nothing for them to. They they look at everything as there's nothing to be gained from fixing anything. Uh, I mean, think about it. You just had a president who who was probably a master builder, or at least, certainly put this way, he had built many infrastructure problems. Uh, infrastructure. Uh, projects in his uh, in his lifetime as a hotel real estate magnet whatever. <clears throat> so what did the what did the Democrats and the Republicans do? They made sure he never have an infrastructure project. Of course, you could say, well, he made the poor choice of going after Obamacare. Fair enough, you know, uh, getting rid of the 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 mandate and and whatnot. <clears throat> Fair enough. But you know who was the one who blocked him? McCain. Who was McCain? He's an asshole. Um, now he's no longer with us. But uh, McCain was part and parcel to this whole dynamic out there. McCain was part and part was one of the first uh, to see the Steele dossier, and was actually involved with it probably earlier than what even most people reported to. He may have seen it as early as you know July or August of 2016. He may have been. Uh, uh, cooperating through the McCain Institute back and forth with it. And oh, by the way, on the McCain Institute, it, it turns out that, uh, uh, what's her face, Rothschild, uh, uh, the lady, um, one of the Rothschild's uh, progeny is on the on the board there, and she's been making a lot of yapping noises lately with this corporate uh, push, this fascistic push um, to, uh, to uh, go against elections. So that tells you what kind of people you're dealing with. You're dealing with a lot of very high-powered people. And when I say high-powered people, they, they, they lurk in the shadows. They 
make the calls to the right people. And most of the time it's because they have the right amount of dirt on other people. So they twist the arms of these politicians and they make them do what they're going to do. And the politicians, you know, they have they have the power of position, but they don't have the power of de- choice. And Trump was probably, in, in many cases, the same boat, even though in some cases he was probably more free to operate, which is what made him dangerous. They didn't want him making any huge policy changes. The D.C. despises change even more than you do, generally speaking, especially change for the good or for the betterment of the people. Um you can say the same about the wall. I mean, did he have any uh, control over the rate of uh, building the wall when he finally got the funding through? Remember, we did shut down the federal government for a little bit because of the because of the kerfuffle over the wall. Because the Democrats were damned if they were going to let that happen. And what have they done since they've gotten back in charge, supposedly, allegedly, uh, from a legal standpoint? They're pushing a complete a complete open borders policy, no enforcement whatsoever, uh, amnesty. Even though they'll never they're never going to actually give that to these uh, uh, DACA people that have been put in. Thanks to our, uh, once again, thanks to the Supreme Court, they've they uh, nixed that last uh, was it September or whatever with a case. Uh, they made they made some they they uh, used some kind of administrative runaround to make it impossible to uh, control enforcement of certain immigration. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about the case. I just know it was not a, it wasn't, it was not a good news for the, the idea of uh, keeping borders, uh, um, what would you say, secure. So this idea that uh, uh, you, you, even if you consequently think, oh, Trump was this and that, and, and this is no longer about Trump, but it is about Trump. And by that I mean um, <clears throat> it's no longer about his uh, uh, his actual running of the country. Rather, it's about the, the vision of having a closed and, and uh, secure border, having a middle class, having low taxes, having manufacturing in this country, having a national identity that isn't tied to critical race theory for all thing for all poisonous reasons that we all should be very well aware of or BLM marches or violence. Bill Barr blocked him on those things too by the way. Jonathan Swan of Axios uh, put laid that out pretty clearly that that uh, Barr and Mark Milley and uh, what's his face Esper were uh, blocking him over the summer of 2020 and saying, you know, no, 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 we shouldn't, we shouldn't put force on the street. This is from the same Bill Barr that uh, was the last guy to declare an insurrection under George Herbert Walker Bush back in, I think, the was it 92 under the L.A. riots when that happened, when they called in the National Guard. So just piecemeal that out for yourself a little bit. Uh, and you can say, well, you know, different time, different place, you know, we got to be more tolerant. Yeah, let's be more tolerant of having riots in 30 cities instead of just one. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, go ahead with that. Go keep on, run with that ball. Because um, that's just an asinine viewpoint. Uh, but, you know, that wasn't the whole point of that. The initiative was always to keep him hemmed up. And Barr, Barr uniquely uh, challenged that. See, Barr wrote a little letter that said, oh, you know, I'm supportive of you, you, Mr. President, uh, in the Mueller situation. He did that, I think, in the summer of, um, was it 2018 or whatever. 
And so, of course, Trump was suckered into believing that this guy may actually be a uh, honest broker, which because because of his political affiliations, he probably thought, well, you know, Bill Barr has been attorney general. Maybe I can get him confirmed, blah, blah, blah. Or maybe he might do the right thing. And he probably believed all that shit. And meanwhile, Bill Barr was sent to to, to kneecap his entire de, de, de Department of Justice, which was already being kneecapped by the likes of Comey and McCabe and uh, Rod Rosenstein and, and even Mike Pence, for fuck's sake. Um, they were all involved in that, that little shenanigans to, to make sure that we didn't have an operating Department of Justice. Um, and then, of course, when 2020 happened and all the chaos that ensued from that, uh, the FBI was uh, errant or decided that, nah, we don't care about Antifa, we don't care about BLM, we still have to focus with Christopher Ray on white supremacy or white supremo. And now they're pushing that domestic terrorism law and they're trying to make, make all white people the, the enemy of the state, which is ridiculous just because of a, of a rally that went awry because it was being hijacked from within by forces, uh, including from Ukraine of all places. Let me just piecemeal that for you together. Uh, yeah, uh, there was Ukrainian boots on the ground, so to speak, at the Washington uh, January 6th rally. Uh, one of them uh, was involved uh, was involved with the right front. Um, this was reported by CD Media, uh, George Eliason. Uh, I'll leave a link in the description after this podcast. But yeah, he uh, he reported on that, and he has some visual confirmation of that uh, from uh, Yakov Applebaum, Applebaum, who is uh, was a he's an intel uh, gatherer. Uh, actually, he's based out of. Uh, I think Singapore, he's uh, done various um, detailed analysis, uh, even including, in fact, he's, he's, even, he's even essentially debunked that uh, Mike Lindell may not have the goods on, uh, on Dominion or the, the idea of uh, IP addresses and stuff. But that's a, that's a whole other different story. But the fact is, is he's been a good source on the Steele dossier on uh, Robert Mueller's te- testimony on the information regarding uh, Beijing and, and the WHO and regarding the coronavirus and the propaganda that was coming out of those uh, sources. So I vetted him as a probably a very, very good uh, source because he's uh, he does a lot of um, basic de- detailed analysts and he's got a program that he gathers tons and tons of information and it, and it compi- compiles and brings it all together so he's he's done that on ukraine in particular and his uh, his information was used by uh, uh george eliason who uh, george eliason is actually based out of i think out of actually kiev so he knows the ukrainian front very well and he knows the ukrainian politics and the idea and he's been based overseas for many years and he, like I said, they 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 verified that there were Ukrainian, at least one Ukrainian actor on the ground. And he took a, he posed for a picture with the Q guy, uh, the guy with the horns on his head and stuff like that. So there were many actors involved on January sixth, and very few of them were uh, quote unquote the white uh, white supremo terror that they're trying to make out. Plus you plus you also had if the Proud Boys were there, well. 
who the guy who represents the Proud Boy has evidently been in contact with the FBI. So there, that in, uh, that uh, that hijacks the idea of what's really going on there. And then you have uh, John Sullivan, who was uh, there, who got paid seventy thousand dollars to take some uh, tape of Ashley Babbitt getting getting uh, painted by uh, by an unknown officer that uh, we still don't have the ID on, in particular. So all this hoopty hoo is going on in the background, and it's a battle between two uh, two ideological viewpoints in our country. And I'm going to leave it there for now, but that's my hypothesis, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, but I I hope that this has been somewhat clear, clarifying, or giving more detail to the, a background detail on the greater problems that we're having and discussing uh, right at the moment. Uh, yes, the deep state is striking back against all of us, and they're they're not going to be happy until they tie a bow on all our on us. Because um, they hate the United States of America. We are being led by people that hate their country. They say they love their country. They'll, they'll wrap themselves in that flag and they'll say they're, they're either hating it or they're definitely knowing that they can exploit it. And they're exploiting our, they're exploiting our gullibility in the process. That they think that uh, they know better about how to run an operator, operation when in fact they've been, they've been compromised and they've been corrupt for many decades um you can also tie in the obamas and you can tie in the bidens and the clintons and the bushes and guess what they've been running this country for 40 years plus Uh, so i'm gonna leave it there um i hope that uh, the rest of your evening goes well Um, it's gonna be a hell of a ride here in the next few months um this republic is going to uh, face a lot of challenges so I hope people out there stay strong and can benefit from uh, people new voices that are trying to pre- present evidence to present the truth or try to ascertain what the truth is that's what I'm here to do this is my opinion broadcast uh, but I do try to buttress it with my uh, information and insights that I've gathered imperfectly so sometimes so i enjoy enjoy the rest of your sunday evening god bless the united states of america and uh, god bless the world <laughs>